Bad news. Bad news for the state. Bad news for capital. Bad news for patriarchy. Bad news for all forms of domination. Bad news. Angry voices from around the world. Our monthly info show from anarchist and anti-authoritarian radio projects worldwide. If these news are bad, I don't want to be good. Hello everybody, this is Bad News, episode 36, for July 2020. Enjoy! Bad news for July by the radio zones of suppressive expression. It took more than three months to force the government to release in detail the amounts that the media received as part of the stay at home campaign. 20 million euros were given to the media who daily put the agenda in the country, leaving the scandalous way in which the government decided to strengthen them in the middle of a pandemic and quarantine. Unprecedented scenes of police violence took place in Exarchia on the night of Friday, July 3rd. During a music concert in solidarity with the evacuated Dervenian squad, the cops attacked to the people and even chased customers at the nearby bars. Victoria Square. On Saturday, 4th of July, around 12 in the midnight, riot police made their appearance in Victoria Square in order to transfer the migrants living there to the Amygdalesa Detention Center with the excuse being the insufficient and unhealthy living conditions at the square. After the migrants' refusal to leave and the interventions of the Solidarians who had gathered at the spot, the cops violently attempted to take people into the police transportation vans. report of Chernalukna for international comrades from Slovenian unrest that in the middle of March because of the virus started with drumming on balconies went on the bicycles and ended up on foot against the right-wing government with authoritarian neoliberalistic and nationalistic intentions around 10,000 people are still gathering every Friday in the capital and more than 25 other cities but also on other occasions, mainly connected with environment and culture, 
or for example in solidarity with people fighting against racism in USA. Mainly not on bikes anymore. There are three bigger gruppations, anti-capitalist, cultural and environmental bloc that are collaborating in solidarity. All local autonomous groups of anarchist federation, Federacija za anarchistično organiziranje, are involved. After regime media attacks on the protesters, individual repression and general repression of the police, government instrumentalized neo-Nazi gruppations to confront the protesters. But we as anarchists stay strong and with the people. We didn't let that regime would divide protesters on good and bad ones. On one occasion there was a lot of protesters coming dressed in black to be in solidarity with the anti-capitalist bloc that was previously targeted. We managed to resist the repression. There is big solidarity support with the repressed. Also a quite big and diverse protest in front of the central police station on the night when police took a few people into custody happened. Also the last attempt to establish pro-government protest with Nazi gruppations wearing yellow vest as a symbol was successfully suppressed with our effort effort and also the effort of the liberal civil society general public rejected nationalistic manifestations as such only 40 Nazis showed on their protest against many thousands of people standing together against them one of the very important places of coordination between protesters are also open assemblies initiated by the anarchists in solidarity from streets of Slovenia Greetings from Radio 1431 AM from the Saloniki, Greece. The two comrades, uh, ZR and SD, were arrested on 27th of May at the Saloniki, Greece. Zedar was arrested right at the entrance of his apartment building while the other was persecuted and arrested by undercover cops wearing civilian clothes and Nopje special forces for crime prevention and suppression in the area of Kalamaria Thessaloniki. The cops broke into Zedar's house and confiscated his electronic devices, his personal belongings such as his handwritten notes unrelated to the case personal documents and family documents that do not belong to him. The cops also conducted a home search in a housing scenario in a block of house squads that the comrade SD never declared that he lived in. The only clue of where he lived in was a piece and of anonymous information. The Opio units, accompanied by undercover cops, invaded the squads one after the other, broke down doors and windows, woke up comrades and demanded that they facilitate their work. The two comrades were transferred to the general police station and were accused of attempting an explosion, possession of explosives, violence against employees, disobedience and criminal conspiracy according to a made-up indictment. On June 1st, they were released on the following terms. 
to give presents three times a month at a police station, prohibition of leaving the country, to pay a guaranteed bail of 10,000 for each one, a total 20,000 by 15 of June. During the short period of 15 days, a lot of actions took place by every means available for the financial support of the two comrades. The required amount was covered and given to the court. The server of SPIV, which is a self-organized server that hosts 850 blogs among political and labor collectives, neighborhood assemblies and self-organized projects, has been located in Python University since the beginning of the project in 2008. On May 20, the server went out of order after an oral command of the rector of the Python University to their computerization section on the occasion of a compliant about digital privacy. More specifically, this compliant concerned two book titles that were uploaded in PDF format to one of the hundreds of blogs hosted by the server. On Thursday, 28 of May, a week after the shutdown, the rector said that they will refer the issue to the next council of the Senate of Padon University, which was unknown when it will take place. On June 11, the administration crew of SPIV.net and some comrades went to the council, expressed their political opinion on the importance of the server being in the university and announced that the attack on SPIV will be answered by the whole movement. Also, they informed the rector about all the previous and future solidarity actions. The same day, the SPIV.net site and all the blogs were reactivated and the director will be considered accountable for any new suppress operations. On Saturday 4th July around midnight, riot police made their appearance in Victoria Square in order to transfer the migrants living there to the Amygdalesa Detention Center with the excuse being the insufficient and unhealthy living conditions at the square. After the migrants' refusal to leave and the interventions of solidarians who had gathered at the spot, the cops violently attempted to take people into the police transportation vans. They took approximately 10 people, some of whom were immediately released. The transportation van left while the other police vans remained in front of the hotel building. After a while, and as the migrants had calmed down a bit and as the solidarians were started to leave, Riot police appeared from all sides of the square and attacked everyone, holding more than 20 people they randomly found on the nearby streets, hitting and dragging them to the vans. At the same time, additional forces of riot police entered the square, hit the people there and tried to send them away towards the 3rd Septembrio and Patision Street, as their plan was to fully evacuate the square. The migrants left injured without their belongings and scattered around the city center. 22 people have been taken into custody in the police station of Kipseli. Among them, there was one person with a dislocated shoulder and a woman separated from her children who were left in the square. Four of the people taken into custody were arrested and the trial got postponed for July 16.
Cheers! Well, it's so nice here at the Cindy Cat Bar, and I'm really glad the project goes on. After all, in such a socially-minded city as Berlin, no social project would be evicted amidst the corona troubles. No, what am I saying? In such a socially-minded city as Berlin, no social project would be evicted, ever. Nope, they don't care about either of those things. Our collective bar syndicate has received an eviction date for August 7th. Bloody hell! The fast appointment of a new eviction date shows clearly that the much-vaunted solidarity and consideration from politicians has no lasting effect. It's about getting all of the machinery to work again, including processes of marginalization. This could be the first eviction after the lockdown, but it won't be the last. Liebig 34, Potz and Meuterei are also in acute danger. And generally speaking, we have countless people, small businesses and social projects who after the loss of their jobs, short time and the lockdown are facing an uncertain future. And while the most recent policies only aim to sustain the rental income of house owners, we are eating up our savings, go into debt or try to make due however we can. But one thing will be the same as before the pandemic. Our common and resolute resistance in solidarity against this eviction and for the long-term preservation of Syndicat. The corona pandemic has shown us one more time that Neukölln and Berlin do not need less spaces like Syndicat, but much more. Spaces where people are welcome regardless of income, social status, the color of your skin, your gender, or sexual identity. Spaces that are active in their neighborhoods and spaces where those social networks can be created and maintained, which are even more important in times of crisis. Take the day off on August 7th, come early in the morning and in large numbers to the Schiller Keys neighborhood. Stay updated with news and announcements over our many information channels. Think about how you are able and willing to participate at the protests against the eviction, on the day of the eviction, and of course, before. Every action counts, and all forms of action are appreciated. To close, all important info at one glance. The first attempt to evict shall take place on August 7th. Get your infos from syndicatbleibt.noblogs.org, where you can also join a newsletter, or at Twitter under at syndicat44, as well as over the Telegram group that can be joined over the link t.me slash syndicat 44 get off the defensive syndicat stays we all stay Here's Radio Fragmata's bad news report for July, with updates on the general situation and the struggles in so-called Greece.
As we reach the peak season of Greek summer tourism, the impending economic doom that awaits Greece becomes more and more obvious. Desperate attempts to appease tourism, based business owners at the risk of society's overall health, have come to look embarrassing as a 90% drop in tourism shows the absurd priorities of the Greek government to reopen borders amidst the coronavirus to fatten the pockets of just a few. However, at all costs, the current state is continuing to preserve the status quo regardless of reality. With the inevitability of even more extreme economic precarity that makes the 2008 crisis, which never ended, seem tolerable, the new administration is continuing the escalation of its war on immigrants and anarchists in order to distract the public and crush revolutionary discontent. Here are some news on the struggle of immigrants and refugees. The parallel world of misery created and maintained by the Greek state continues to be reinforced through aggressive measures and opportunism amidst the coronavirus. In the municipality of Aspropyrgos, bulldozers demolished an entire Roma camp, forcing the homelessness of a large community of Roma. On the islands of Lesbos and Samos, where some of the largest refugee camps exist, the measures created under the keys of coronavirus continue to give local police forces an unquestioned ability to segregate and isolate immigrants to camps. Victoria Square, a diverse central neighborhood of Athens, has been an area populated and embraced by refugee and immigrants since the beginning of the 2015 so-called refugee crisis. Starting on June 15th, buses of riot police had surrounded the square, attempting to trick refugees to be escorted to other refugee camps farther into the country and out of sight. Victoria Square continues to be under constant surveillance and assault by police. The insidious games created as heartless for immigrants and predatory opportunity for police by the state are heinous to say at least. However, it has become to the new norm of Greek immigration policy. With floating dumps going up in the Aegean Sea to the absurd demands made to the most vulnerable who have ever been given asylum, the state is continuing a terrifying pogrom of misery and repression for the immigrant and refugee communities of Greece. Against the ban of assembly. In reminiscence, of the junta in the late 60s and early 70s, the new Greek government was able to pass a law against freedom of assembly on July 9th. The parliament had a 187 majority of its 300 seats. The frequent cries for the law by Greece's New Democracy Party claimed that the unregulated freedom of assembly was being seen as a severe disparity for Athens traffic. This being one of the top talking points of the administration shines light on their focus and priorities. Regardless, the bill immediately sparked social unrest. On the day of the bill's passing, around 15,000 people took to the streets in Athens near and around the Greek parliament. Anarchists had scattered blocks among the demonstration. Unfortunately, anarchists were attacked quickly by both the police and the authoritarian left. 
Demonstrations by anarchists and autonomists also took place across Greece in Patra, Ioannina and Thessaloniki. As this is written, demonstrations without the approval of the state and deemed completely illegal going forward. Repression is nothing new in Greece. The bill will most likely solidify a more intense future of unquestioned brutality, detention and imprisonment for those taking the streets. The future will tell. As for the nature, Greece continues to ease protections of natural land. The coincidence of new pressure to develop and build on previously protected wilderness as tourism deteriorates in light of coronavirus is no accident. Communities are coming together across the country and taking to the forests, the mountains and the streets. Banners and graffiti of support for ecological resistance can be seen across the country as well, from the inner cities to the deep countryside. A recent action took place as well, demonstrating the will of people to defend the environment. In the Athens neighborhood of Kesariani, an arson attack took on a vehicle belonging to the construction company Intrakat. Intrakat is responsible for an array of wind turbine construction projects in Etheron and South Evia, as well as various other building sites exploiting and demolishing the environment, and is a notorious exploiter of vulnerable labor. On June 26th, the Dervenion 56 squad was evacuated by various police agencies. The Dervenion squad was one of the last squads remaining in Exarchia. Resistance did take place, as well as other actions have been taking place in response and against the general repression of squads. Graffiti and banners continue to be seen across the country. Additionally, a mob was reported to have attacked the mayor at a private event in response to his war on squads and grotesque use of public funds to decorate the center of Athens. There was also a demonstration outside the alleged owner of Dervenius' home. As for the rest, police continued to torment the locals of Exarchia. Continuing with the Greek prisons, the Department of Corrections in Greece have been punishing prisoners during the coronavirus by stripping them of their few rights for showing any discontent for treatment as the threat of COVID-19 remains a significant threat to the health and safety of those imprisoned. The prisoners all over Greece are literally struggling for their lives. Last but not least, as we go to publish this, reports of the death of a comrade in Volos, Greece, have come to our critical attention. Vasilis Magos was found dead on July 13th in his apartment by his mother, who had not heard from him. The reason we are mentioning this man's death is because it comes after weeks of his suffering due to a significant beating. While the beating caught on video was heinous enough, Vasilis was brought into custody and further beaten and tortured out of sight of supporters. Vasilis is known to the police as a local anarchist and football fan and was clearly targeted in the video. 
Once he returned home, he made this story public at the time claiming a positive attitude that he was happy to be alive and is ready for the long recovery ahead. An autopsy is going to be done. Regardless of what it will report, the days leading up to his mysterious death were days of painful suffering and disability due to the repression of police. His pain was caused by his desire to demonstrate solidarity with those arrested while resisting the exploitative ventures of the Greek state. The situation is just unholding, but has sparked intense rage by the broader anarchist movement. Future will tell the depths of economic despair and political repression. What is certain, though, is that the mass discontent and frustration that prevails among Greek society and manifests in the desires of a broader revolutionary movement against the state and capitalism. All of you, take care and stand strong. Okay, we are here in the Hildegardstrasse Resist number two. Uh, this looks really nice uh, with a lot of people and info stand and talks. Um, can you tell us maybe what it's about this? Why you decide to organize something like this and why is the resist like the motto for this? Yes, today or like yesterday is the so-called birthday of anti-racist and anti-deportation riots which took place here in the exact place we are now in Hildegardstraße in Leipzig. We are really close to Eisenbahnstraße and this is a neighborhood which is um, uh, where really many migrants live and where the police is behaving so badly because they are just present here, <laughs> that's uh, bad enough but they are also like doing a lot of racial profiling there's a lot of police violence and like one year ago a deportation from Germany to Spain should take place and um, people wanted to stop the deportation and they sat in front of the police car and many people joined in peak I think there were like 500 people stopping the deportation but it didn't work out in the end because the police just acted so violently and with a trick and we failed in this part but um, we stayed here even when the person was already brought away and um, the police then started to try to get the people out of the street that they go home really violently so they used tear gas they used pepper spray and hit and yeah they were like hurting so many people so badly and yeah we were standing here demonstrating for like just basic human rights actually and yeah 
and you could see like really social riots here and it was an act of resistance and it was an act of solidarity and um, this we want to remember today. What uh, means this uh, deportation case uh, for the neighborhood? And why why at this moment start all this uh, solidarity movement in the neighborhood and not, not mm. before, for example? Mm. Yeah, often it was tried to stop police um, deportations, but it didn't work out really well because um, often they come at a time where, and really secretly, so don't people don't get to know it, but here on Eisenbahnstraße, many people were on the street anyway. It was Thursday evening, I think, and um, via social media, um, so many people joined, and this was really unique, I think, in Leipzig, and it was really unique for the neighborhood. And it was like a spontaneous reaction on the injustice and on the racism we have to face here every day. Yeah, and people were showing solidarity um, because of different reasons, because they are also affected by police controls or police violence, or they know people who are threatened by deportations and so on. Yeah, so you can see, really see um, class struggle and yeah, social struggles. And can you tell tell us a bit uh, of this event, which were your goals to make this, and how you evaluate this? Uh, this is the second day. Yes, after the event uh, last year, um, there were different groups founded. So we have a solidarity group um, for the family of the deported person who had a contact with the family and with the deported person in Spain. And we tried to get them here again. It um, didn't happen yet, but we are still um, fighting for it. On the other hand side, we have the solidarity committee I am part in because we have... Um, three court people who also um, had to face a prison and a trial which ended really badly for one person and luckily good for one person but a second trial on the same people is happening also so we yeah but uh, like the solidarity committee was um, supporting all the people who had to face repression and also did political work on what happened here And then we have the third group and this is like the organizing crew of like this event here and they organized the street festival as we have it today last year already and this year again. Yes, so um, like spontaneously many people um, found together. So some political groups were involved, especially like um, groups who work with repression already, like the Rote Hilfe, the, the big... Um, institutional groups who are supporting like a political repression or we have Copwatch, we have Out of Action or we have the Infobus, Sächsischer uh, Flüchtlingsrat, so anti-racist working groups. Yeah, so different people found together, so also people from the neighborhood here um, connected with the left-wing groups and yeah, we founded like new structures, especially for this event. And last, um, can you tell us uh, a bit of the situation of Ayman, who is, I think, is the person who is uh, uh, confronted with this special hard repression now? Yes, uh, Ayman was caught here in the evening, like he was arrested, um, because a civil cop said that he throw stones and bottles, and he was arrested um, in preventional 
prison. I don't know the, the special term, but before the trial, until the trial starts, he was in prison already. Even he was not found guilty yet for eight months. Yeah, and then there was a trial, and he was sentenced free. Yeah, because like only one civil cop was like the evidence that he has done something and there is no, no other evidence that he has done everything what the prosecutors say he has done. Yeah, so the only way for the judge to sentence him was that he was found not guilty because we live in a um, state of rule and um, it's not possible to sentence a person if there's no evidence and like this one civil cop he just repeated what he was writing in his uh, protocol after the event and any other questions he denied because he said I'm not allowed to say it because um, in this when I say something about this I would um, say something about the methods we are working on as civil cops watching crimes in cases of demonstrations and that's um, not allowed for me so I can't say anything Thing, so he had to be set free. But the prosecutors, they are not satisfied with this sentence, so they said we want to do it again, and now we are facing the second trial, and well, <laughs> we'll see if they have an other evidence now, yeah, but actually they can't sentence him. But he's free now? He's free now, he was set free already during the trial, but at this time he has already been in prison for eight months. And he is father of a four-year-old daughter. He is caring for her alone. Yeah, and um, it was a real struggle. He um, also lost his flat. He was without a flat when he came out of prison, and we supported him with that also. And I would say he is okay now, and he's really happy that he doesn't have to go to prison again, and he can stay with his daughter. But he's also really feared that the second trial will end differently. And um, yeah, he's still struggling also with the time in prison, the time he um, missed with his daughter. So in general, I would say it was a really successful repression in that way, because like emotionally and financially and like just socially, it was a really hard time for him. And it still is. Okay, thanks very much. Yeah, you're really welcome. Welcome to Dissident Island's contribution to this month's edition of Bad News. The streets have been heating up across not-so-great Britain throughout the month of June, so we have a hefty roundup of headlines for you today. Black Lives Matter demonstrations that started at the end of May have continued throughout June, with protests and street parties taking place every weekend across London and the UK. Another demonstration is planned in London on 5th of July and protests will continue around the country on the 11th, with events in Birmingham, Manchester, Leeds, Hull, Hertfordshire, Telford and Shrewsbury. Black Lives Matter protesters have taken down or pressured cities to take down several statues of slave traders across the country and many more soon-to-be unrevered slave owners are being queued up to get knocked off their blocks as we reassess what is worth celebrating about history and our collectively created futures. Meanwhile, police snatch squads have been operating at the demonstrations, swarming and arresting individuals on their hit list for previous actions allegedly having taken place many months ago. Social centres and house raids have also taken place while protesters have been held in custody. 
Off the back of these protests, calls to defund the police are gaining public attention across the UK just as the government announced a plan to build four new mega-prisons around the UK. Alongside and aligned with BLM, Justice for Grenfell marked the three-year anniversary of the Grenfell Tower fire, where 72 people died, with silent protests and the launch of 72 billboards around London with the names of those who did not manage to escape the blaze. In the last few weeks, there have also been several heavy clashes with police as they tried to attack and shut down raves taking place in London, in Brixton, Notting Hill, Hackney and Manchester. Multiple cops and their cars were, sadly, decommissioned during the events. A confederation of COVID-19 solidarity funds have come together from across the UK, forming a network of mutual aid economic support for those who are struggling. The fund's core principles include asking no questions about how individuals who request money choose to spend it, the redistribution of wealth from higher earning to lower earning individuals being based on the conscious and deliberate relearning of trust in our fellow humans against everything that capitalism tries to make us fear. Remote donations to the Solidarity Funds can be made through their Open Collective profile page. The Coal Action Network and the Campaign to Save Pont Valley are celebrating their win against the bank group's plan to extend the Bradley Opencast coal mine in the north of England. The site would have caused another 90,000 tonnes of coal to be extracted this coming year, but this coal will now be staying in the ground. The IWGB, the Independent Workers' Union of Great Britain, is mounting a legal battle against the Mayor of London's decision to extend the London congestion charge to include minicab drivers. They argue that the charge discriminates against the minicab sector's overwhelmingly black and minority ethnic workforce, who will be forced to pay a significant portion of their daily wage. And finally, sometimes it's worth it to hound the police. Seven years after being harassed at the UK border under Schedule 7 of the Terrorism Act, Tom Anderson, a British anarchist writer and organiser, has received a nice chunk of money in compensation for his time. Schedule 7 powers are often used in a racialised way. A report by the Islamic Human Rights Commission found that only 19% of people stopped for over an hour under the Act were white. A further study at Cambridge University found that 88% of those stopped under Schedule 7 at one particular airport were Muslim. A 2019 report by Cage found that police Schedule 7 stops of Muslims amounted to racial and religious profiling. Commenting on the case, the Network for Police Monitoring have argued that we need to see these powers abolished. And that's it for our roundup of bad news beamed to you from our basement in the belly of the beast. Catch our regular show on the first Friday of each month at dissidentisland.org.